looked him full in the face, but neither answered nor made any further movement. The minister, with good-natured persistence, repeated his invitation. At this the man threw his right hand forward from his side and pointed downward as he stood on the extreme edge of the bridge. Mr. Cummings looked past him over into the ravine, saw nothing unusual, and withdrew his eyes to address the man again. He had disappeared. The horse, which all this time had been uncommonly restless, gave at the same moment a snort of terror and started to run away. Before he had regained control of the animal, the minister was at the crest of the hill a hundred yards along. He looked back and saw the figure again at the same place and in the same attitude as when he had first observed it. Then, for the first time, he was conscious of a sense of the supernatural and drove home as rapidly as his willing horse would go. On arriving at home, he related his adventure to his family, and early the next morning, accompanied by two neighbours, John White Corwell and Abner Razor, returned to the spot. They found the body of old man Baker hanging by the neck from one of the beams of the bridge, immediately beneath the spot where the apparition had stood. A thick coating of dust, slightly dampened by the mist, covered the floor of the bridge, but the only footprints were those of Mr. Cummings's horse. In taking down the body, the men disturbed the loose, friable earth of the slope below it, disclosing human bones already nearly uncovered by the action of water and frost. They were identified as those of the lost peddler. At the double inquest, the coroner's jury found that Daniel Baker died by his own hand while suffering from temporary insanity and that Samuel Moritz was murdered by some person or persons to the jury unknown. A Cold Greeting This is a story told by the late Benson Foley of San Francisco. In the summer of 1881, I met a man named James H. Conway, a resident of Franklin, Tennessee. He was visiting San Francisco for his health, deluded man and brought me a note of introduction from Mr. Lawrence Barting. I had known Barting as a captain in the Federal Army during the Civil War. At its close he had settled in Franklin, and in time became, I had reason to think, somewhat prominent as a lawyer. Barting had always seemed to me an honourable and truthful man, and the warm friendship which he expressed in his note for Mr. Conway was, to me, sufficient evidence that the latter was in every way worthy of my confidence and esteem. At dinner one day, Conway told me that it had been solemnly agreed between him and Barting that the one who died first should, if possible, communicate with the other from beyond the grave, in some unmistakable way, just how they had left, wisely it seemed to me, to be decided by the deceased, according to the opportunities that his altered circumstances might present. A few weeks after the conversation in which Mr. Conway spoke of this agreement, I met him one day walking slowly down Montgomery Street, apparently, from his abstracted air, in deep thought. He greeted me coldly, with merely a movement of the head, and passed on, leaving me standing on the walk, with half-proffered hand, surprised, and naturally somewhat piqued. The next day I met him again in the office of the Palace Hotel, and, seeing him about to repeat the disagreeable performance of the day before, intercepted him in a doorway, with a friendly salutation and bluntly requested an explanation of his altered manner. He hesitated a moment, then, looking me frankly in the eyes, said, 
I do not think, Mr. Foley, that I have any longer a claim to your friendship, since Mr. Barting appears to have withdrawn his own from me. For what reason I protest I do not know. If he has not already informed you, he probably will do so. But, I replied, I have not heard from Mr. Barting. Heard from him? he repeated with apparent surprise. Why, he is here. I met him yesterday, ten minutes before meeting you. I gave you exactly the same greeting that he gave me. I met him again not a quarter of an hour ago, and his manner was precisely the same. He merely bowed and passed on. I shall not forget your civility to me. Good morning, or, as it may please you, farewell. All this seemed to me singularly considerate and delicate behaviour on the part of Mr. Conway. As dramatic situations and literary effects are foreign to my purpose, I will explain at once that Mr. Barting was dead. He had died in Nashville four days before this conversation. Calling on Mr. Conway.